0: Good morning, everybody. We we are going to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to begin to flow in that. Um, So here's here's what I want to... Let me read this uh, to you. For though we walk, though we live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. inasmuch as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, being in readiness to punish every insubordinate and disobedient Thought and idea, and ready to bring everything into submission to the Word of God. Praise the Lord. So, I want to talk to you this morning about something. Um, You know, as a Christian, you have a lot of battles, you have a lot of warfare, you have a lot of things going on in your life that you do not know how to define. Inner turmoil, anxieties, pressures, frustrating circumstances, negative people, strife, all forms of contention, battles, even the evil presence of spirits that you yourself cannot see, but you can feel. We are living now in a day where Satan is no longer Hiding and sneaking around. Satan has come out into the day. He has exposed himself completely and is not apologizing for what he does. Kills, steals, and destroys. So we are no longer living in a day where Satan is seen over here in this corner, over in this dark place, Now Satan is wide open in the schools, in the churches, in your house, in your face, on your TV, and he is everywhere. In all of his many forms, sources, and all the different manifestations of evil that he represents. If you are going to make it through this life And if your children are going to make it, you must be weaponized. And that is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how to become weaponized and how to make your children weaponized against all the things that are coming against us as individuals, the church as an entity, and all the world. Because you may not know that the devil could be at your house. You may not know that he may be talking to you. You may not know that some of the things going on in your your life are not of God. They're actually of the enemy. And the enemy is trying to move into your house and take it over with ideas that are not from God and that are sick. And that will steal, kill, and destroy you your children, and your future. There's no joking around now. If you as a Christian do not know what your weapons are, and if you don't know how to use them, you are going to get defeated. You will be defeated simply because you're fighting somebody who has been from the beginning of time killing, stealing, and destroying. He is an expert soldier of evil. Satan knows exactly how to defeat you because you have in your body genes that were in somebody else's body before they were in yours. Your genes are not new, they're inherited. And those genes you have have already practiced evil in somebody else's body. Your father, maybe, your mother. Your grandparents. So in your gene pool, you have these desires, urges, and impulses, which you think is you. Because what else can you conclude? If you feel it, if you want it, if you desire it, if you like it, it must be you. However, we don't look at it that way because there is a thing called Calvary. And at Calvary, Jesus changed the rules of the game. Amen. He said, though you have been this kind of person, with these desires, these urges, and these impulses, at Calvary, the old Jew, called the Adamic nature, was defeated. Praise God. So, when we go through this this morning... Uh, we're just going to link everything together so you can kind of have a better picture of why some of the things are happening that are happening. And then we're going to give you the weapons and how to use them so that you can see victory. Everybody say John, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 1 John 5, 4. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. Romans eight thirty seven, in Jesus we are more than conquerors in life. Praise God. Isaiah fifty four seventeen, no weapon, no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Praise the Lord. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 10. No evil shall befall you, and no plague come near your dwelling. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what are you going through? What are the battles that you're facing right now? What are the stresses and pressures that are weighing on you and pushing you to make certain kinds of decisions? Why is the suicide rate the highest that it's ever been in the history of America? Why are so many teenagers killing themselves? Why are so many preachers killing themselves? Why are there so many psychiatrists killing themselves? Why are there so many wives and husbands killing themselves? Why are people killing each other? More than ever before in history, because we are facing true evil, a true devil, and we must know where he really is, and we must understand who we really are. Say it out loud to your neighbor, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have victory in my life tell that to somebody next to you, say, I'm going to have victory in my life, I'm kicking the devil out of my family, say it out loud, I'm kicking the devil out of my my friend, I'm kicking the devil out. This is old-fashioned preaching. Now, so let's begin first of all with Satan himself and all of his network, all of his servants and all of his soldiers. Very powerful. Satan is real, but the Bible says that in the book of Revelation, that Satan is like a dragon, and that God took him and threw him down, and took away his authority, and threw him down with a third of the angels. So we know by reading Ephesians chapter 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, powers rulers of darkness evil in high places and we also know by reading Hebrews 2:14 and 15 that Satan was defeated at Calvary and that all of his soldiers have been defeated as well the third the one third of the angels that were cast down which are the principalities the rulers of darkness the evil that is on the earth and they rule in the in another realm, over the disobedient humanity of this world that is serving their Adamic nature. All of them are defeated. Let's say it together. Satan is defeated. defeated. God is on the throne. throne. Tell that to your neighbor. The devil is defeated. And God is on the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know that Satan then is defeated at Calvary by Jesus through the shedding of his blood, by Jesus being our substitute, taking all of your sins and the consequences of your sins, if you will receive him. All those blessings are yours, and now we get the knowledge to understand how to make our position our possession how to experience what he has promised, not just to know what he has promised, but to actually experience what he has promised. Not all Christians experience their blessings. One of the blessings is that Satan isn't supposed to have anything to do with your life because you are in victory in Christ. But we know that's not the way it works. Some of you are crazy. (laughs) But you love Jesus, but you don't really know what your weapons are. You don't know how to use them. You don't know when to use them. So we want to learn that. Is that okay? Look at somebody and say, I'm going to leave this building full of victory, full of wisdom. My life is about to change. Praise the Lord. Everybody's saying my life is about to change. Say the misery is about to change, and anything that's holding the blessing of God back, I'm going to remove it out of my life because I am not helpless. I am powerful in God because I have weapons that Jesus has given me to overcome the world, to overcome myself, to overcome the demons and the devil, to overcome everything. We know there's Satan. He is defeated. We know that Satan has an army of fallen angels. Those are all your principalities over states, nations, families, individuals, angels, wicked angels. Under them, you have all the demons. Who knows how many demons there are? Nobody knows. We know that in the Bible, Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of one man. So we know that there's at least 2,000 demons for each human. if you were to be possessed. Christians, of course, are not possessed. The devil's not in you, but he does partner with you and come near you and be around you as God's presence is with you when you walk with God, so evil spirits can be with you as you disobey God and walk in the flesh. This is why you have nightmares. This is why you don't have peace. This is why you have anxiety. This is why you want to kill people, and this is why you want to just shoot everybody. You're being helped by the presence that is around you. Praise God. But they are defeated. Say that to somebody. They are defeated. Say it again, just because it makes you feel good. They are defeated. They are defeated. Come on, everybody. They are defeated. Say it to everybody. Get excited about it. They are defeated. Now, you don't know how far they may be involved in your life until I tell you this morning, and then some of you will freak out, realizing, whoa, i got demons in my house. Or you may say, I have demons actually walking with me. I've partnered with them. How would you do that? So we find in the Bible these beautiful verses uh, in in the Bible about forgetting the old... part of us and the old past, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and what you, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Praise the Lord. So. Where does all this warfare come? Why do you not have peace? Why are your insides battling? Why do you get anxiety attacks? Why are you afraid of things? Why do you want things that you can't have? Why do you have these urges and these impulses to get high or to drink or to sleep around with people or to murder individuals, kidnap them and other crazy things? Why do you pray that God will send something to judge a person and just kill them? Why do some Christian women ask God to kill their husbands while they're sleeping? It can be a quiet death, but let it be a death. Why is there jealousy in the church? Why is there competition? Why is there egos, pride, vanity? Because it's called the old man, the flesh. Now you didn't ask for the flesh. You didn't like, oh God, give me the flesh. You didn't do that. You were born with a flesh that you inherited from Adam's disobedience and Eve's deception. So when they did that, your nature changed and everybody now is born with an Adamic nature and that's where your problems come from is your Adamic nature. The crazy father you had is inside there. Your wild, insane mother is in your brain. What happens is when you're born, nobody comes out a saint. None of you come out singing, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Lord the lamb. Nobody does that. You don't come out with your hands up. You come out screaming. Screaming. You've been incubated. You've been stuck in a hole there. You've been inside. Water over you, thing connected. You're just... You shoot out of there screaming and yelling, ah, ah. And, and it's not your fault. It's not your fault. They picked you up, they slapped <laughs> It's still very, you know, prehistoric the way a child is born. <laughs> this is the beginning of life. This is the beginning of life. Very few of you came out gently softly, like, no, I don't know where they get that. Why do they have to hit you? Why does abuse have to be part of being born? And then you go home to crazy people, and they abuse you your whole life. And while you're in the house, you're very selfish because you are a little sinner at an early age. Ah, feed me. Ah. And if you don't get what you want, ah till you lose your breath. That's a baby, you're losing your, because ah, you're mad, you're Give me my food. Now I don't care if you don't sleep. Die, give me my food. You're a little sinner. You're a little sinner. You can kill the whole family. Ah! and then when you get to be one or two, you just fall on the ground and start screaming. You don't get your way. <laughs> ah! In public places, I see it every, everywhere I go. Children just fall over, ah! and and they don't care who's hearing them or watching them. They just in public, just ah, give me what I want. I want that toy, sinners, right? So you have that nature, and that is the beginning of your warfare, that is the beginning of your battles, and if you don't deal with that, it will be your enemy till the day you die. So as you are growing up, here's the first principle of today, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. You're born, you have these desires and urges to do crazy things. So everybody is on TV saying, this is how I was born, I was born this way. They are not lying, this is how they were born. They have these desires, but God provided a cure. That is the second part that is not being told. You may have a desire to drink, but how many people drink that have desires to drink and they don't drink and they are not even saved? Nobody's born an alcoholic, but many people are born with a desire for alcohol. But for whatever reasons, they choose not to do it. Well, how many have ever wanted to kill a person? Am I the only crazy person here? (laughs) But I've never killed anybody. I've had the desire, I've had the impulse, I had the urge. Sometimes I have them regularly. (laughs) But if you starve it, it dies. If you feed it, it grows. It creates war. Praise God. When you feed those ungodly desires and impulses for long enough, though that disobedience and that feeding of darkness attracts demonic spirits. The demons will now attach themselves to you be in your house, you will have heaviness in the house, you will have nightmares, and your children may even have nightmares, there will be a spirit of darkness in the home where there is fighting, contention, there will be verbal abuse, verbal threats, this is all Christian homes, there will be all kinds of constant battles, because there are actually demons in the house, because the... Adamic nature has been fed over and over with disobedience to the love of God, forgiveness, and all the other things that God tells us. If you feed the divine nature, it starves out the ungodly nature, and pretty soon Jesus is ruling your personality, your attitudes, and all your choices, and pretty soon there's no devil in your house because you are doing the things that God has told you to do, and all the darkness flees away and leaves your house and doesn't go in your children's bedrooms and give them nightmares or convinces them of some evil idea. So you're not crazy by accident. You're crazy by design. Not everybody has the same DNA. Everybody's DNA is different. But all of it is bad. And none of it can be saved. It must be crucified to death. You cannot save your old man. You must be born Again, a new nature. Right. When you feed the old you those bad desires, demons will attach to you. They will empower you to do bad. That's why there are Christians who have been saved 20 and 30 years and are meaner than a junkyard dog because they feed their Adamic self. They do not feed the forgiving Jesus, the merciful Jesus, the loving Jesus, the gentle Jesus, the selfless Jesus. They feed the selfish self. And then they have all these problems and they don't know where they're coming from. But they're coming from an atmosphere full of demonic activity when demonic activity attaches itself to you for a long enough period, let's say even years, you create a curse upon you. Disobedience activates curses. Habitual disobedience activates a curse. And a curse is the opposite of a blessing. So what a curse is, is an anointing to be poor, in every area of your life, an anointing to lack joy, peace, and love, and an anointing to fail, be frustrated and unsatisfied with your life. This is a curse on a person. And this is why there's warfare, fear, torment, unhappiness, and people want to get divorced, and all the other things that are constantly bombarding Everybody. Let's raise our hands and say, it ends, today. it ends today. Tell that to somebody next to say, it ends today. It ends today. today I step over into the victory side and no evil thing shall have access to my family. Praise God. Praise God. There are arenas of battle and warfare in your life. Your mind being the number one arena. Your mind is the first thing that is affected by the things you feel. So your mind is constantly making conclusions about what your life is about. If you are making conclusions about God that make him small and powerless, you are being trained and mentored by a demonic voice. If the conclusion you make that God is great and God is mighty and nothing is too difficult for Him and impossible is His normal name and that everything in your life is full of signs, wonders, and miracles, then the Holy Spirit is mentoring you. But if what you're deciding to conclude about church, God, Jesus, Christianity, and the Bible is not something that's making you healthy, then you are being disconnected from the eternal life that God has bought for you at Calvary, and you are tasting the life of a cursed person. This has to end. Now, today, right here in church, are you going to keep on heading down a dark road of addiction, bondages, unhappiness, and unfulfilled desires? You will be lonely You will feel nobody knows you and understands you. You will feel invisible like nobody cares about you. And you will feel the spirits of loneliness telling you to kill yourself. So what do you think? Should we change this scenario? Because we're not living in a little hunky-dory lollipop world. We're dealing with real evil. Real evil. Praise Praise the Lord. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We love the world, the people in the world. We're just not of the world, but we love them. And we treat them as if they are more important than we are. And we serve them and wash their feet. We lay our lives down for them And we do not act like we are superior to them because we know that we are just like them because we have that nature in us. Therefore, we are not any different than that. So we love everybody unconditionally without bias, no matter how they live or what they do or how they behave because that is the Jesus way and he loves everybody. He can't just love one group of people or one type of person or he wouldn't be Jesus. But because he's Jesus, He loves everybody, and that's why all races go to hell. I didn't feel the love on that, so I'm going to go over here and encourage myself. Praise God. Wow, he threw that in right at the end. Boom. Never, never look down on anybody because that would be very hypocritical. Praise the Lord. Would you hug the person next to you and say, how much money do you have? I'm going to need it all. I'm going to need all of it. To make it through this day, I will need all the money you have, because right now my brain is exploding. Amen? So You have the battle of your mind, you have the battle of your emotions, you have the battle of your will, you have the battle of people, people you can't stand. They come near you and you have an allergic reaction. And sometimes that person is you. You look in the mirror, "Ah, that is a bad reaction towards yourself. So you end up making bad decisions. You end up putting yourself in a more vulnerable position. You exclude yourself from God's house, God's presence, God's people, God's word, God's life and you feel like you're doing the right thing when really you're just marinating and becoming food for a predator. Right. But your predators will not just eat you. They will also eat your children. So at some point of your life, you got to put your foot down and say, it's stopping here. The curses, the demons, the warfare stop right here and they're not going over to my children and they're not going over to my grandchildren because I am going to take a stand as a man or woman of God, I'm going to take a stand and say, Satan, you cannot pass this threshold right here because we're repenting of everything, we're rejecting everything about you, and we are totally throwing ourselves into Jesus. Come on, everybody, praise him a little bit, act like you're saved, and not on drugs. Warfare, battles, lack of peace, mental torment, fear of the future, fear that everything will fall apart, fear that you'll die, fear that you'll lose your, your job. Fear, 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 it's everywhere. Now we need to have victory over everything. Praise God. I cried unto the Lord, the Bible says, and He heard me and He delivered me from all, how many? All All my fear. It is possible to live a fear free life. Amen. Isn't that nice? Now then, We read 2 Corinthians 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and so on and so forth. So Jesus died at Calvary, defeated all our enemies, and then gave us weapons. But we must know the weapons. We must also know how to use them. So, because tonight I'm ministering a different thing. I'm ministering who are you and the, the revelation of your identity. It's very powerful. But this morning, I want to give you as many weapons as I can and how to use them. I have identified 21 weapons. I can't possibly give you all that, but I'm going to give you as many as I can in groups of three. Praise the Lord. So let's begin with our first three weapons that God has given you. This way, you can ask yourself if you know how to use them or not, or if you even are using them. The first three weapons, then, are the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. These are our first three weapons. Well, the weapons actually don't work if you don't use them. You can't just know them, and by knowing them, think that they're going to work. They don't work by knowing. They work by using. You have to use the weapon for it to produce anything. Let's begin with the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing, dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, and he he says to him, uh, you know, why don't you make bread out of these rocks if you're the son of God? Quotes Matthew 4.4, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus used the word as a weapon. You must learn the Bible and learn its powers in order for it to become your weapon. It is a weapon you use on the enemy, and it is a weapon you use on yourself. But you must learn the powers of the word of God. You can't just believe in the Bible you must actually actively be interwoven with the Bible by memorizing the Bible, by meditating on the Bible, by practicing the Bible, and then by using the Bible on yourself, on the devil, by obeying the Bible, by praying over the Bible, by singing the Bible, by worshiping with the Bible, by studying the Bible, by learning all of the mysteries of the Bible, all of the secrets in the Bible, because the Bible is God's will and God's mind, and hidden within the Bible are its revelatory powers. Every time you get a revelation from God called a rhema, are an inspired, breathed upon word of God from the logos, meaning the literal word of God, breathed on by the Holy Spirit, illuminated into words that apply to your specific situation in your specific life, and when you wrap that around you, you wrap the literal power of heaven around your life, and Satan cannot pierce Through the power of the Word of God that has surrounded you and now become like a shield in your life, as the Bible is called a sword. The Bible is called honey. The Bible is called milk, bread, and meat. The Bible is called rain. The Bible is called water. The Bible is called light. The Bible is called a shield. The Bible is called a lamp. The Bible is called snow. The Bible is called seed. And the Bible is called food. So if you do not eat the Bible, you starve yourself to death and remember that vultures like to eat things that are not moving the Bible Psalm 1 verse 2 and 3 his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water he'll bring forth his fruit in his season his leaf shall not wither And whatever he touches shall prosper. Let's say it together. Whatever he touches shall prosper. Look at each other and say those words. Whatever you touch shall prosper. If your delight is in the law of the Lord and you meditate on it day and night. This is the if. It's not if you have a Bible at home. It's not if you have a Bible in the car. It's not if you sleep on the Bible, sit on the Bible, or stand on the Bible. It's if you know the Bible intimately and God has unlocked its mysteries to you and therefore unleashed all its mighty powers that Satan cannot defeat. A Bible-driven person. Can you praise him a little bit and act like you're saved? Scream, yell, do something. Come on. You're too dignified for me. Two, we have the name of Jesus. Well, you read in the book of Acts, when uh, Paul, um, James and John, uh, were going to the, to the temple to pray, there was a, a, a sick man there, and he asked them for money. And what did they say? Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And that man leapt up. And started dancing and shouting and going everywhere because they knew the power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians 2.10, Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and of things on earth and of things under the earth. So the three domains of creation all bow at the name of Jesus. And there's going to be a day when every movie star when every hero, when every sports person, when anybody that's ever been famous, all generals, all all leaders, all kings, all queens, when they say the name of Jesus in heaven, brothers and sisters and members of the jury, everybody will fall down on their face and say glory to God, King of kings and Lord of lords, at the name of Jesus. (laughs) Sorry about that. Well, you may use the name of Jesus and nothing happened. Why? Because you don't have faith in the name of Jesus because in the book of Acts they said because they had faith in the name of Jesus they used it and a lot of people got healed and delivered. If you're facing demons in another person and you don't have faith in the name of Jesus those demons are going to probably beat you up. Just like the demons spoke to the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts and they said we know Paul. We know Paul. We know Jesus, but who are you guys? You have no authority. And it says they jumped on him and beat him up. When's the last time you used the word as a weapon? When is the last time you used the name of Jesus as a weapon? And here's the third weapon of the first group, the blood of Jesus. Do you know that there are over 100 blessings of the blood of Jesus? Do you know that if you do not apply the blood of Jesus, it won't protect you at, at home? It won't protect your children? It won't protect you? But if you start putting the blood on your children... No matter what they do or decide, sooner or later, they will turn back to God if they've walked away from Him. They will serve God just because you have used the blood of Jesus on that and said, my son, you're covered in the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is over your mind and everything. Sooner or later, my daughter, sooner or later, I apply the blood of Jesus. No demons in this house. I apply the blood of Jesus. No demons in my life. I apply the blood of Jesus to the church. It is protected and blessed. It's going to grow and it's going to explode because of the blood of Jesus and you start applying the blood of Jesus to your nephews and your cousins and your aunt and you say the blood of the lamb is on my brother. The blood of the lamb is on my mother. The blood of the lamb. We start putting the blood on everything and the angel of death cannot penetrate the blood and go in there and kill your family. But passive Christianity is not going to work in these days. If you're going to be passive, not even bring a Bible to church, not even read the Bible, and never come to church other than once in a while, then really, what benefit has God to you other than some kind of psychological soothing? You know, the devil doesn't leave when you say, in the name of Barry. He say by my blood, leave. Demons don't do that. Because your blood is not holy. God's blood is holy. It came out of Jesus' body. It's the blood of God. So when you put the blood of God on your marriage that then Satan has a hard time ripping that marriage apart. When you put the blood on your children then Satan has a hard time taking those children to hell. Sooner or later he will use his his he will lose his battle against your children because of the blood of the lamb that you believe is your weapon and that you can use to influence the demonic forces and keep them at bay from your sons and daughters, mothers and fathers and everyone else. This is a powerful group of weapons, Amen. but if your Christianity is passive, then you don't do any of this. You go home, you watch TV, you eat food, you go to work, you come to church, say Hallelujah. You go, but there's no, there's no, no, no uh, war. You're not involved in a war. You're, you're passive. You're retired. That's not Christianity. Christianity only works for the militant. You have to aggressively use your weapons on anything trying to destroy your life, your family, your children, your grandchildren, or anything you consider precious. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, holla, holla, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) We have the second group, the second group of weapons, which is faith, love, and holiness. These are three weapons in the Bible. 1 John 5, 4. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So you becoming highly trained in the ways of faith gives you power in the spirit world and gives you power in the circumstantial world and gives you power in the natural world of every area of life. All areas of life must be covered in faith. You must become a faith expert. If you are a Christian without the weapon of faith, you are a defeated Christian. The only way to have victory over some of your DNA problems is by faith. You will have faith, and faith will give you the victory over yourself. But if you're full of doubt and unbelief and self-pity, then you're just going to feel sorry for yourself and blame everybody for your problems. But if you're a true Christian, not true Christian, excuse me, if you're an educated Christian, then you will know, hey, I've got a weapon, it's faith. Because faith can move a mountain. So you must feed that faith until it becomes really strong and miracles can follow you wherever you go. Two, love. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 7, 8, and 9. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If I were to give all the wealth of my home and life, it would be counted as trash and dust. Love never fails. 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment and and you are not perfected in fear, but Love is the most powerful weapon of all. Put on, 1 John 5, 8 says, the breastplate of love. Because when somebody tries to break your heart or hurt you or attack you, the breastplate repels those attacks. Only what you love, only what you love can you truly overcome. That's why when you love something... It cannot hurt you, even if it tries to hurt you, because the idea of loving it gives you victory over its behavior. You may say, well, I have a problems with depression. Well, where do you think you got that? You think that's just like walking around somewhere and you just bumped into it? No. Your mama probably had it. Oh, you're great. Or your grandmother, or your great grandmother, or your grandfather, or both of them. Everything has a source, and because of God, everything has a solution. Come on, everybody. Let's praise God right now. Everything has a source, and everything has a solution. Can you lift your hands and say, What a day! Hallelujah. Come on. Remember that it is not my job to get you to like me. It's my job to bring you to a place of encountering God. Some of you are not going to do it because you're so habitually enslaved. You're literally so bound in your church habit of listening without changing that there's no hope for you ever making any adjustments or improvements. But some of you are hungry and thirsty And you are longing for the best God has. And you know there's got to be more. And you're not satisfied with your life the way it is. You're not content with the way your life is. Because once you become content, every bit of growth ends. It is the fact that you're unsatisfied, that you're not happy. That is a blessing from God. It's when you say, I want more of Jesus. I need more of God. I don't have everything. I just have a bit of a little tiny bit in my cup. I want my cup to run over. I want it pressed down, shaken together, and running over too. Am I screaming too much? Because I am having so much fun. Go ahead and hug somebody and say, that's how you do it in church. You get up and you claim your victory. Praise the Lord. You say, hey, I'm not sitting down on my holla holla anymore. I'm getting up and I'm taking off in God because if you don't, then whatever you have is all you will ever have. We have faith, love. What a weapon love is. Because love gives you the power to overcome every person you will ever meet. And is it not true that most of your problems is somebody else's fault? Right? I mean, that's what you told everybody. It's their fault. They're crazy. These people drive me crazy. I can't take it anymore. I've had all I can take. I'm done. That's not the language of faith. That's not the language of love. God never says to you, I'm done with you, you hard-headed, stubborn son of a motherless goat. <laughs> but because you have no love, you also have no long-suffering. You have no patience. You have no joy. While somebody's treating you bad, you can't love them unconditionally. They treat you bad, you're going to treat them bad right now. Because you're stuck in the Old Testament. You haven't been through the cross yet. There's lots of Christians that are stuck in the Old Testament. They haven't crossed through Calvary so that the graces of God can flow through their life. They're still carrying a bat and killing everybody. Especially themselves. We have faith, we have love, and then we have holiness. 1 Thessalonians 2.10. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, holiness is a weapon. Jesus said this of himself. He says, the devil comes to me and searches me and can find nothing of his in me. That's pretty cool. Holiness, what is it? Is holiness morality? No. Why? Because holiness is something that can only happen to a born-again person. You can't be holy if you're not saved. You can be moral. Anybody can be moral. Let's say you're a Mafia Don and you're here in church. Maybe you're the head of a cartel and nobody knows it, and you're here in church, and you're married. And last night... Your wife said to you, if I ever catch you with a woman, I will kill you in your sleep. So you will become very moral while your wife is alive. Because you know she's crazy and she will kill you. So you, a Mafia Don, who doesn't even know God or love him, will be moral in that area. Because morality is an educated choice to avoid certain types of consequences. That is not what holiness is. Holiness is when God goes in you and takes out all the desires for the bad stuff. So you love Bud Light, you battle it every day. I don't want the Bud Light. I'm not going to drink. Turn the TV off. My mouth is watering. I can't see that. You're being moral, but you're fighting. Well, when you go and talk to God and have fellowship with God and have a beautiful, intimate relationship with Him, in that intimate relationship, He takes out the bad DNA and activates the holy DNA and all of a sudden you don't even desire Bud Light anymore because God has delivered you of the desire and that is called holiness when the battle is over and God is in there, that's holiness, it's not morality. That's why Christianity is not supposed to be hard, because holiness makes it easy to obey God, where in morality, it's a battle every day to obey God. Because in Christianity, the reason so many people are so unhappy is they're having to do everything they don't want to do. You can't be happy for very long by just saying no every day to everything. Ooh, there's a (laughs) reefer. Mm. that's how it works praise God look at two people around you and say ha ha (laughs) I will end with these three the last three I'm going to give you and I will end with that so we're giving you nine weapons out of the 21 that's the way it works oh happy day you have to order the series whenever I make it but anyway (laughs) So think about this. Our next three weapons are prayer, words, and obedience. Prayer, words, and obedience. You're not going to have victory if you don't pray. You're also not going to have victory if you don't know how to pray. Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Prayer is a power, because prayer creates the supernatural resources of God in your life. Prayer creates. It is a weapon. It is a shield around you during the day. When you're walking around every day praying, especially if you're praying the Holy Ghost, and you walk around in the Holy Spirit like that, praising Jesus, I love you, Lord, and you realize that when you're praying the Holy Ghost, you're praying perfect prayers because you're not doing the praying, the Holy Spirit's doing the praying. So if the Holy Spirit prays the prayer, then that's God making up the prayer, sending it to himself, answering himself, and then giving you the blessing. That's what happens when you go, hurrah, sabre, gaba. And if you get offended because I go, rabah, sabra, you're not being very nice because you watch TV and they speak in languages all the time and you don't get up out of the world. how dare they speak in that language in front of me. It's a little hypocritical. If I say, ¿cómo están, hermanos? Queremos predicar la palabra de Dios. Gloria a Dios. El Señor es exaltado, levantado. Gloria a su nombre maravilloso. If I do that in Spanish, well, you don't understand, but you're not all offended. Well, why would you be offended if I go, Raja <laughs> It's religious thinking, legalistic, and ungracious. prayer not all prayer works there's prayer that works and there's prayer that doesn't work you must learn how to pray prayers that work mark 135 jesus got up a great while before morning and prayed as was his custom so there's praying petitional prayer asking god for things you should do that Intercessory prayer, asking God for things for other people and then battling in the Spirit for breakthroughs and victory and many other dimensions of intercessory prayer and then relational prayer is when you go to pray to get God, not to get things from God, you go to get God. But if you never pray, then you have no covering and no protection. If you don't get on your knees for your children, don't let your children have memories of you just telling them ideas. No, let your children know you love them by kneeling next to their bed and praying over them every night in the Holy Ghost, in English, and in whatever language you speak. Let them have that memory. My dad loved me so much that he would kneel next to my bed every night and pray for at least 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. My mom would kneel there and sometimes pray for three hours. And I would go to sleep listening to my parents pray for me every single night because that is a parent that has not just surrendered their future and surrendered their life over to the devil because of some weird idea that God in some magic way may come and just do something. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a battle and we are having to fight for the souls of our families and that is what we're supposed to do. Let it not be said of you that you never lifted up your mother in prayer who doesn't even believe in God or your father in prayer. Let it be known that there is a man and a woman, a daughter or a son of someone who is knocking on the doors of heaven and doing it every day and not blaming some weird, crazy idea. I prayed once and that's all. That's it. It's done. That's what lazy people say. It's like sitting down and saying, oh, we don't have to bless the food. I blessed it on Monday for the whole week. Oh, wait. You blessed the food on Monday for the whole week? Well, if you blessed it for the whole week, why don't you just bless it for your whole life? Because it's so stupid to say that. But that's what super-spiritual super spiritual religious people do. They want to slap a title on their forehead without paying the price for the essence of God. Prayer. Pray over each other. Put your hands on your children. Pray over your parents. Pray over your marriage. Let your wife hear you pray. Let her see you kneeling on the floor, kneeling down, praying over your marriage. Why are you praying? What are you doing? I'm praying for our marriage because we got a lot of problems. I'm praying that God give us answers and grace. And I mean, if you're going down, go down praying. Don't just go down, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong, scratching everything. I don't know. The Lord will take care of it. No, lazy Christianity doesn't work. Prayer. When is the last time you prayed for one hour in the Holy Ghost? Not as a law, but just as the joy of being able to pray in the Holy Spirit. Or sing to God. I mean, just pray. Just sing to God. In a heavenly language, which Satan wants to demonize, so you're afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. Did you see my eyes roll back in my head? Did I fall on the floor and I could sting like a snake? Anything that is of God is beautiful. Prayer. Have you abandoned your life of prayer because, in doing so, you have abandoned your relationship with God? because our relationship with God is based on time alone. An unbroken fellowship with him all day. Talking to him all day. All night. All the time. Amen. If you have an unsafe husband or an unsafe wife, just lay hands on him at night. Say, "Hey, while you're sleeping, I'm going to be praying for you." You are Yeah, I'm sending God after you. (laughs) Prayer and then words, Proverbs 18, 21. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Your words are a weapon. Stand in front of the mirror and say, you are a man of God. You're not rotten. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You have a destiny. God is going to use you because words have power. When you speak to your children, you use your words to form the ideas of their mind. You are chosen by God. You are a unique child. You have special giftings. There is nobody like you in the whole world. You are the only one like you and God has a special plan for your life and he has special gifts for your life and he has a special calling for your life and Satan is a liar and you're going to be a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. Whatever you do in secular world, you're going to do it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, with the purposes of heaven and whatever you do, you're going to do it unto God, to the glory of God because we celebrate you, my child. We celebrate you, my husband. We celebrate Made you my wife because you're amazing and God made you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made and God has a great plan for words, words powerful words. Have you ever had an argument? And you're arguing, have you ever just had an argument and all of a sudden just said Whoa, wow, did you feel that? The presence of God you cow, oh my God I'm I'm asking a question. Have you ever felt the presence of God while you were arguing? Because words have power. How many times has words broken you? How many wars have started from two people talking in a way they shouldn't talk? And how many miracles and how many signs and wonders and how many healings and how many restorations have happened because of language that comes from heaven? Because when Jesus entered earth he brought a new language and it was not the language of Satan. It was the language of love and healing and that language is a weapon for you to heal your marriages and your children and your past and your future and your And you've got to use words, the words of the Bible and the words of God to heal everybody and everything, everywhere you go. Or you can just cuss and throw the finger. See where that will get you. Have you ever had somebody almost kill you on the road? And you lost your peace? What's wrong with you? And they took off with your peace, just drove off. Somewhere, no peace. I mean, you put your foot through the car. <laughs> and the spirit of murder is on you. <laughs> because you just got converted by a crazy person. They almost killed you. Now you're trying to kill them because they are your evangelist. Don't be like the devil, be like Jesus. Everybody raise your hand and say, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So we have words. Sing those words, say those words, declare those words. Get all profanity out of your vocabulary, all cussing out of your vocabulary, Every, every profane word, because that's Satanese. Get all negative language out of your words. Get all judgmental criticism out, and especially get all complaining out of your life. Get everything that finds fault with people out of your life. Get everything that talks bad about people behind their back. All gossip, all slander, all like Get that out of your life because it's Satanese. And that's how you become one with him. Because Satan inhabits the praises of his people just like God inhabits the praises of his people. Language is what draws Satan and language is what repels Satan. Language is what draws God and language is what ushers God into the room. When you lift your hands and begin to praise him, do you feel the devil or do you feel the Holy Spirit? When you sing a beautiful song, do you feel Satan everywhere in the room or do you feel the Holy Spirit? Because language attracts God because language manifests the billboard of the condition of your heart. You can't just tell your wife or husband, you piece of holla holla. You've got to say, hey, I love you. I'm committed to you till I die. You are the best thing that ever happened to me. You don't know how to change your underwear, but praise God, we'll work on that by faith. I'm going to get you one pair for every day of the week. It's going to be beautiful. I have faith in you. I know you can flush the toilet. I know you can do it. I have faith that you can do it. I know it's been 30 years, but we're going to keep working on it because God is good. So there you go. There you go. Prayer, words, and finally, at 1135, obedience. Obedience. Anything you obey, converts you. you. Obey your flesh, it will convert you. Obey the Holy Spirit, it will convert you. Obedience is a weapon. When you want to yell and be mad and not forgive a person, Defy the devil and forgive him whether you feel like it or not because you are obeying God. Ephesians 4:32. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, wow, I am not powerless. I have weapons. And I only gave you nine out of the 21. So look at each other right now and say, I feel more powerful. I feel like I need to do some some fighting. Because doesn't the Bible say that? I have run the, the race. I have fought the fight. And now there awaits me the crown of life. Praise God. Don't sit back when you see bad fruit in somebody in your family. Don't sit back. Don't just take that. Don't be lazy. Don't accept that because that fruit is growing stronger every day. You must confront it and challenge it. You must pull your swords out and say, we are not accepting uh, uh, not being able to pay our bills. We are not accepting that. We're going to get a promotion. We're going to get blessed. Finances are coming our way because you've got to fight. You can't just sit back in some passive Christian unreality rise up and say I'm changing my family because God has given me the authority to do it as long as it's in the godly road or else you believe in passive Christianity which is doing nothing and letting things fall wherever they fall and I don't believe in that Don't give up on God because you haven't seen the results so far. Look around. Look around at everybody in this church. Look around. We got another service tonight. What time is that, Pastor? We got a service at 6 o'clock. Who are you? It's a very powerful thing. It'll change your life forever. But I want you to think about this. Today, God is putting weapons in your hands for you to change the influences of darkness over your life, family, business, and all that. If you don't believe you have any power at all over your life, none whatsoever, and that God has not weaponized you, then you ought to just quit. Just serve the devil. But if you believe Christianity is militant, you must take action then this is the night to repent, or the morning to just repent. Say, God, I've been so lax. I'm so sorry. Because godly people never take it personal when God corrects them. They consider it an act of love. Thank you, God, for correcting me. Oh, my gosh, you just saved me for so much trouble. Thank you, Lord. That's how a godly woman or a godly man acts. They don't act like... They have all their armor up and you can't reach them because they're so vain and proud. They couldn't take correction as a child, and they can't take correction as an adult. And God cannot help you if he cannot correct you. Correction is your life saver.